Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. Welcome to Graceland Church, everybody. My name's Nathan. I'm honored to be our lead pastor here. I called her sweetheart because that's my wife, Jessica, in case you're wondering. We were on a trip recently to Oklahoma City, and someone put us up at this hotel called... 21C Museum Hotel. Has anybody ever heard of that? I'm just curious. There's actually one in downtown Nashville too that I was unaware of. It is a hotel that has all the regular hotel pieces, rooms, places to check in, bathrooms, basic, but they turned the whole entire thing into a giant art gallery. So someone that was very logically minded, meaning like trying to make all the space really count, would go crazy here because there's just big, vast open spaces art everywhere, big installation pieces, 20-foot high ceilings in the rooms, just lots of wasted space, but beautiful art gallery. So when you're going through the, the seemingly mundane activities of staying in a hotel, you actually uh, are encountered by this artwork. And I think part of the power of art is that it causes us to stop and behold. So it's beautiful about it. And God is the master artist, and, and we are living in the work of his hands, and sometimes we stop and behold that art. Here's a few pieces at this hotel that I liked. This was a big concave piece. It doesn't do it any justice, but it was looked like intricate pen work, but I think it was just a small paintbrush, beautiful. Here's another one. This, this piece was taller than me, so the, it's hard to get the scale on these photos. And this third one is what the different floors look like. So when you get off the elevator, this is the fourth floor. They had all kinds of big installation pieces like this. And the rooms, that wall right there with the lights and all the squares, that's like one of the walls in one of the rooms. So the rooms are in the middle there. It was a lot of fun. I've never been to the one in Nashville, but you wanna, might want to check it out. 21C Museum Hotel. I feel like they owe me some royalties now. I'm just like promoting this hotel. I don't know everything they stand for. I'm not promoting that, but I promote <laughs> the art gallery. You know, I think that that really reflects the heart of God in a lot of ways because he has put us in this world and sometimes we're living seemingly mundane lives going through the activities of life, but yet we're surrounded by all this beauty of creation. And sometimes we forget to stop and enjoy it. There's, there's one spot where I get stuck in traffic almost every day on my way home. Uh, coming down Thompson Station Road toward Cameron Farms, it just gets backed up almost all the way to, to Pantall. Is that how you say that road? Pantall Road. I don't pay attention to road names a lot. It's one of my uh, weaknesses, but I just end up driving them, especially now with GPS. But there's that hill there on the left when you're just sitting there in traffic that on a bright blue day, it just looks beautiful. And it's some farmland and there's some little trees there. And I'm just kind of, I'm like a, a shameless enjoyer of the beauty of creation. And I just want to sit there and I, I'll put my window down on these spring days, especially, and I'll just like take all these pictures of it. And I've noticed the, the people behind me, I can see them in my rear view mirror and they're kind of looking at me too. You know, like when you're in traffic, you're kind of communicating with people with your eyes and they can see I'm doing something weird. Why is this strange man taking pictures of this like rundown farmland? And it's just, I, in fact, in my insecurity, sometimes before I take a picture like that, sitting in traffic, I'll look at the person in front of behind me. I'll be like, do I know them? Are they gonna see this? What are they gonna think? Eventually I just do it and I take my phone out and I start taking pictures. Even when we lived in Southern California, the mountains there, the big difference is they don't have any uh, life on them. It's just dirt, <laughs> but they're still beautiful. And I would just be driving around all the time with friends and just like, look at those mountains. Of course, some of you, we were just, just in Florida, the ocean, and just God's creation is majestic, right? He has created 
this earth. He has created the heavens. He has created this ever-expanding universe. And we're in this study of the book of Psalms. And one of the themes in the Psalms is just crying out in praise to God for his glorious creation. And Psalm 8 is one of those. We're going to call this the majesty of God. But we're going to really let this Psalm speak to us. You see, God's word is alive. And what I want to encourage you to do more than anything is not just listen to sermons. Uh, You know, you can come here and listen to me or someone else preach. Of course, we can all access a million sermons online all the time. Nothing wrong with that, but I really want to encourage you to learn to sit with God's word itself. Like get a Bible, open it up. If you're not actively reading any scripture, dive into the Psalms with us. Just spend some time in the Psalms. No matter what you're going on, no matter what is going on in your life, how great or how terrible the circumstance is, there is a psalm that will express the condition of your heart and will help you connect with the truth of who God is. And sometimes when you just sit with the word and read it slowly, I'll even uh, write it verbatim on, on paper and just forces you to really think about it longer. So let's start by just reading slowly through Psalm 8. Um, it's just nine verses. It'll be on screen. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to turn there or use your app or online on your phone. Starting in verse one, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now, if you were sitting at home by yourself and you pulled out that text, There's two little acronyms that we'll sometimes use that will just help you in how you approach scripture. One is the word SOAP, which if you take each of the four words in SOAP, S stands for scripture. So just find a scripture, sit with it for a while. O stands for observation. So after you've read it or maybe even written it down, just observe the text. What is going on here? And write down some of those observations. And then once you get some observations written down, turn them into A, applications. How could this application apply to my life right now? What does this scripture mean? What does it feel like God is saying right now to me? And then P, prayer. Then there's another one that I haven't talked about before that I learned recently called maps. Similar, just a little different. M, meditate or memorize the scripture. And I love the idea of meditating. You just sit with it. Sometimes we get very concerned with reading a lot of scripture or maybe even finishing a certain section of scripture. I would encourage you, read scripture with, with no agenda except for meeting with God. You might sit with the same three verses for weeks and weeks and weeks, and it's just transforming your life, and God is illuminating it. So don't don't read with this checklist. Meditate on the word of God. And then in maps, A is apply it. So once you meditate, apply it to your life. P is prayer. So those two are the same. And then S I like, which is share it. So there's something about once you've meditated on it, developed some applications and prayed, share what you've learned with someone else. Talk to your friends, talk to one of your kids or parents or spouse or coworker, because there's really something about pouring into others that changes how we are processing what we're learning. So just little tools to sit with the word of God. 
Because I'm telling you, the word is alive. And we are inundated with other voices in our life. Am I right? The moment we wake up, a lot of us go right to this. I try really not to, like keep it away from the bed. Don't go straight to this when you wake up in the morning. Don't end your day with this. I mean, I have all of my emails, all of my social media, all the, so many ways people can communicate with me on this. And it's not always great stuff, you know what I mean? And social media can be a gift, but it also can stir all kinds of other things in you. And I get convicted on a regular basis, how much time do I spend looking at this little flat screen as opposed to meditating on the word of God. Just fill your life with the word of God. And let's just slowly walk through this text. It's gonna be a short message today, and then we're gonna do some baptism. It's gonna be amazing. So Psalm 8, verse one starts with, Lord, our Lord. Now, a little teaching moment. Whenever you see Lord in all caps like that, L-O-R-D, all capitalized, it is referring to the word Yahweh, and it is the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one true living God. When Moses encountered the burning bush and, and, and God said, I am that I am, that's Yahweh. So four capital letters. And then it says, our Lord, capital L, and then lowercase O-R-D. That refers to this word Adonai or, or king. So it means this Lord has now become my king. So when you're saying Lord, our Lord, written like that, we are saying, Lord, the creator of the heavens and the earth, Yahweh, the one who breathed all, th- spoke all things into existence and breathed life into our lungs. You, Lord, are our king. That's what we're saying. Lord, our Lord. And the first point today might be all we really need to be encouraged, which is the God of the heavens and the earth is your king. He is yours. Have you ever experienced what it is to know someone who's in some sort of power? Maybe they're very wealthy or maybe they're in charge of this certain company or something. When, when you know the king, it changes things in your life. One example with Jess and I was we were pastoring in Los Angeles and there's a, a street there called Sunset Strip that's pretty iconic. And every year they shut down a bunch of blocks and do a big music festival called Sunset Strip Music Festival. And they set up like 15 stages. There's a big main stage. And one of the guys in our church, his name's Luke Steele, he was the front man for this band, Empire of the Sun. Very big, successful band. And they were really at their height during this particular festival. So his band was headlining this concert. And he would often bring my wife and I to his concerts when he was in LA and, and bring us backstage as kind of like chaplains. And because none of the other guys in his band were Christians, but he's a strong follower of Christ. And it's a very not Christian event, if you catch my drift, just like drugs everywhere, crazy stuff going on all over the streets. It's the middle of Los Angeles and they're there for days and days. So we got these special wristbands and he didn't really explain to us what the wristbands were for, except that, hey, this will help you get around. You can get in for free to the concert. So while we were there, we were just kind of doing our thing and there's oceans of people everywhere and we're waiting for him to come up. The environment is not great. The bands on stage are saying all kinds of crazy stuff. And he really sees himself as a missionary to this context, which is beautiful. And so we supported him in that work. And eventually we got to some gates and people would say, you can't come through here. And we started realizing, let's just show our wristband. So we would say, hey, does this do anything for us? And eventually one of the security guards said, oh, this means you're with, this means you're like in the band. This is called the band pass. This means you can go absolutely anywhere and no one can stop you for even a moment. So we said, oh, and he said, do you wanna go hang out with the bands and eat some food and just 
And we were like, yes. And so we walked back and all of a sudden we're hanging out with all these bands, eating the free food. And there was a certain band going up to play and someone, I don't know how they got our attention. They said, you can actually go up on the stage if you want. And this is the main stage. This is the act right before our friend was gonna go on. So it's, I don't know, it's tens of thousands of people across this whole strip. We are now walking up backstage. Like we got the wristband, we got the wristband. No one knows who we are. We're just like two kids walking around Los Angeles in the middle of this drug fest. And, and we walked up on stage and, and this is what you do as missionaries, right? And, and we're behind this like disco type group doing very loud electronica music, looking at everyone like, like going like this, and like taking video and pictures. It changes when you know the king, right? It changes when Check, check. Thank you, guys. A hand for our audiovisual team. You know, when you know the king, and now we're talking about the king of all kings, the creator of all, you have access that you didn't once have. When you know the king, you have protection. When you know the king, you have security. You have significance because you're up right next to the king. And you also learn a life of reverence before the king. And we could probably stop right there with just the first three words of this psalm. Lord, our Lord, he is your king. Reading on, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Another version says, you've set your glory above the heavens. And I love this idea. God's glory exceeds all that he has created. So the artwork is amazing. The creation is amazing and it reflects the creator, but the creator is the prize. The creator is the, the highest glory. The creator is the one who's worthy of our worship. That's why we don't worship creation. We don't worship mountains. They're beautiful, but we don't worship them. We don't work, I mean, we're not supposed to worship people. Many people do worship people, but we, we don't worship the creation. We enjoy the creation. We, we celebrate it, we behold it but it causes and stirs our hearts to worship the creator of all, the artist. His glory exceeds all that he has created. And then the psalm gets really unexpected, very interesting because it starts to talk about how is his majesty actually expressed and it's super counterintuitive. So pay attention for the next few minutes because this can change your entire life when you understand this about God's heart and his kingdom. Verse two, through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the, avenging, and the avenger. So we just went from talking about the majesty of God, the creator, the king, the splendor, to boil down to the praise of children and infants. And I would just like to ask you this. Do you know any infants? Does their babble seem powerful to topple down the enemies of God? This makes no sense. Infants say crazy stuff. One of mine is two. It doesn't really seem like the power of God working through him to defeat the enemies of God and set up a stronghold and silence the foe and the avenger. But this scripture is saying that the praise coming out of my little two-year-old boy's mouth is what God uses 
to express his majesty and defeat his enemies. And this is just a fascinating thing to step into here. I remember Kenzie, when she was around four, one of my daughters, she had learned about how the enemy will, will prowl around like a lion seeking to devour, is what the scripture talks about, and how the story of Daniel and the lions and how God will shut the mouth of the lion. And one day after church, she came home and I asked her about what she learned, and she said this. She said, God shuts the mouth of a lion like that. And I was like, do that again. And she was like, God shuts the mouth of a lion. And I was like, I felt like the power of God. I was like, man through the praise of little ones sometimes, the word of God coming through. And here's the principle all throughout scripture. God uses the weak to defeat the strong. This is how the kingdom functions. And David, the author of Psalm 8, has firsthand experience in this because when he was just a teenager, he was a nobody. He was overlooked. He was the shepherd. He was the loser of his family, the weakest, the youngest. The entire army of Israel became overwhelmed and intimidated and terrified to the point of inaction, to the point of retreat by the, the biggest, strongest warrior named Goliath of the Philistine army. And David became the teenager that God used to say, wait a second, we're not putting up with this. We serve the God of the heavens and the earth. And, and using this weak weapon of a stone and a sling defeated that giant because God uses the weak to defeat the strong. And then we see this in the life of Jesus recorded in Matthew 21, starting in verse 15. Listen, when the chief priests and the teachers of the law, so these are some of the people that were threatened by Jesus. They saw the wonderful things Jesus did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked Jesus. Yes, replied Jesus. And if you're reading along and if you have your Bible with you, I, I, like writing in your Bible is beautiful. I just circle, yes. Jesus says, yes, I hear them. And it's as if he says, have you, the expert teachers of the law, never read Psalm 8? Part of the scripture that you've been studying your entire life, which says from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. That's why I'm so glad that Graceland Church is gradually being taken over by children. Have you noticed that? It's a good problem to have. That was not a very good response. Children's pastor, my wife. And by the way, the praise of children doesn't always sound like a child sitting quietly singing, you know, hallelujah, we wanna lift you higher. It normally sounds a lot like laughing and giggling and running through here and me saying, stop running, don't, don't hurt yourself on the stairs. That, the, the house of God belongs to these. And God is actually saying that part of his majesty is his power expressed through these. That's good news. His power is made perfect in the weakness of the praises of children. And then he, he takes it even further, starting in verse three of Psalm 8, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Have you ever felt that? God, how could you possibly be mindful of me 
or my family or this person or that person. You have everything to think about. You're holding it all in your hands. There's seven billion people. There's all of time and space and history. How could you be mindful of us? Yet the scripture tells us over and over and over again that God cares for the lowly. He pays special attention to the weak and the hurting and the broken. And let me just encourage you, if you don't know this already, as a human being, you are lowly. You are a created one. You have not even the power to sustain your own breath or your own heart beating. Upon your creation, God breathes the breath of his life into your lungs and has caused it to keep breathing for this many years of your life, which for some of you is a lot. That's a joke. For me, thank you. Who's the oldest? I'm just kidding. I picked on Victor in first service because today is his 79th birthday. And we realized that with Victor Legner, him and I are exactly 40 years apart. I'll be 39 later this year. And so I just picked on him for the rest of the service about how many, God's been so miraculous in Victor's life. You've had so many breaths. You've had so many heartbeats. I'll sometimes actually sit and just, feel my heartbeat, and this is gonna be a little scary to do, and just sit by myself and realize, man, I am totally powerless when it comes to my heart beating. Yet if it stops, I die. (laughs) It's been beating for 38 years, and I have nothing to do with it. I'm lowly. I'm weak. I'm a mere man. You're a mere man. You're a mere woman, and that is good news because God cares for the lowly. And then look what he he does in verse 5. You've made them, mankind, a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. This text is telling us something so incredible. Number five, God uses the lowly to rule over the works of his hands. How incredible. That's why I'm glad we celebrate things like Earth Day because we're stewards of the earth. He has called us mankind to steward his masterpiece creation. Earth Day was started by a Christian and someone who is connected to the Assemblies of God many, many years ago. It's a whole interesting history that I didn't know until just this Earth Day. But God doesn't just entrust the earth to us as mankind. He entrusts the good news, the message of reconciliation to us, what scripture says. He says the greatest message that brings life change, that brings hope and healing and restoration to families and has power, who does he entrust to take that gospel ball down the field? You, me. Not just vocational pastors, all of us, a kingdom of priests. So it's just amazing to think about because sometimes we, as adults, we spend a lot of time on the things we love. I'll I'll use my car for an example. I have a new car right now that I've only had for a few months and I had to upgrade because I have four children. I had to get a car that we could all fit in if if my wife's van was ever in the shop because we realized if I just had the sedan, I can't even carry my own family in my car when we don't have the van. So I upgraded to this uh, Honda Pilot. And for a while, I was like, I don't want one child in this car. (laughs) It smells good. It looks good. It feels great. This is like the last, you know, this is the last piece of control in my life that's not overtaken by my children and my wife, to be honest. But gradually, I've lost that battle real quick. And we do a lot of trips in the Honda Pilot. And I I have to take heart and take a cue from God, our creator, who created the earth and says, here, go run it. (laughs) It's like nothing is beyond trusting the children with. 
And I think sometimes we can spend a lot of our time and we can get frustrated in churches sometimes when the children, and we're careful, we don't have children running all over instruments because this gear belongs to people and stuff like that, but, but the, the house of God belongs to the children. And, and, and God is causing us as weak humans to rule over the works of his hands. I like the language of John Piper. He used the word peculiar. God's peculiar majesty is demonstrated in defeating enemies and ruling the world through weakness. And then the psalmist finishes in verse nine with the same phrase from the first verse. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And here's the invitation. If you are weak, take heart. And actually, I wanna rephrase that. I wanna say it this way. You are weak, take heart. There's no if about it. You are weak, take heart. The Lord is your king and will demonstrate his majesty through your lowliness. And I'm gonna ask those who are getting baptized to go ahead and go get ready now and those that are doing the baptizing. And someone is also gonna go, I think Janice is gonna get, we're gonna bring in our Studio G elementary kids are gonna come in for these baptisms. So they're all gonna get prepared as I finish this message. Let me invite the worship team up while we're at it. Come on up, guys. Here's the closing encouragement uh, with this and how we're gonna respond. When we think of enemies in life and challenges in life, our temptation is to wanna power up and handle it in our strength. But this Psalm and really the whole of scripture is reminding us that we don't overcome our challenges and our enemies by powering up. Why? We have no power. Have you ever tried to just manhandle your life or womanhandle your life? (laughs) That was for my wife. Have you ever tried that? How did it go? Just manipulate it, make everything work exactly how you want it to work, get all the outcomes to line up perfectly according to your timing, just how you want it. Did anyone, anyone ever have success with that? Anybody ever like fall flat on their face with that? And just, yeah, let me see that, for real, anybody? All of us, we have no control. We have no power. The king has power. And the king has said that his majesty will be expressed through weakness. And this is good news because we realize we are weak but it should change how we approach the challenges of our life. We need not figure out how to be strong. I think sometimes as Christians, we spend a lifetime trying to figure out how to be stronger. Let's not do that. Let's spend a lifetime trying to figure out how to rest in our weakness and allow his power to be perfected because that's what scripture says. His grace is sufficient for you right now. So we can own the weakness. We can own the powerlessness. This is the gospel. We don't cry out to God until we realize we need him. That's humility. That's powerlessness. Anytime I meet a longtime follower of Jesus that seems like they have every answer and they got it all figured out and their theology is rock solid and they know everything, I'm like, it doesn't seem like you know the Lord at all. I think the indicator of long serving, a long time serving the Lord and growth in the faith is a sense of just raw humility. And it's like the more we learn, the more we realize we don't know, but yet we're comfortable, as the song said, in the middle of the mystery. So much that we don't know about God. There's so many whys that we don't understand. There's so many things that we have no clue about what God is doing. Like Esther this week, who three days before leading worship here for the first time, voice completely gone. And we're talking like, why? We don't know. But what we can do is understand that his power is perfected in our weakness. And I know Wayne and Esther's heart. And they're actually in a lot of ways in their life right now. They're just, they have no choice but resting 
in weakness because we really have no control. So what I want you to do before we close and sing and watch these baptisms is close your eyes with me. Just think, get it in your mind, the biggest challenge of your life. What has the potential of keeping you up at night? Maybe something is keeping you up at night. What is that thing that when you really go there, it causes you to worry and fear or it causes you to become angry or it causes you to doubt? It might be more than one thing. Just get them in your head. And, and oftentimes these things involve people. Let me encourage you, don't just think, don't think of that person as the enemy. Scripture tells us we, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. And the, though that person may be involved in this situation and they might be wronging us, let's get our focus off of them and understand we're fighting a spiritual battle. So when we talk about defeating the enemy and the enemies of God, we're not talking about the actual people. God will deal with those people. It's not up to us. But get, let's get the situations in our mind. And now, if you would, clench your fist with me. Because sometimes what we want to do is we want to clench even harder as we try to fight this problem. How are we going to fix this? How can we manipulate this? How can we make this work? How can we somehow get this to all work out? And we squeeze and we squeeze and we squeeze. But when we understand the heart of Psalm 8 and the majesty of God and how his power is perfected in weakness and how he literally defeats his enemies and silences the avenger through the mouth of infants, we realize that we have to just open our hand and let go. So just do that. And I believe this is why God says to enter the kingdom, we must become like children. So Lord, I pray for each person that right now, as they open their hand in the face of the challenge, in the face of the enemy, that they would see themselves as a small child, that the praise from our mouth would be the praise of children. But with those praises comes the fact that we know that you are our king. And you are the king of all kings. So give us wisdom and help us approach these situations with the heart of your kingdom. We trust that you are the victor. You are the risen one. And you will help us approach these things with the culture of your heart. May we be at rest in our weakness because we are at rest in your strength. In Jesus' name. I'm gonna pray this benediction and we'll be dismissed. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great afternoon.